0: Welcome to Jiu-Jitsu Red to Blue. I'm Tish Durkin, and after the last two long and winding trudges through the politics of school shootings, this week is going to be a short and easy stroll, or rather, a few quick bites of tapas, because I've just gotten back from 10 days in Spain. Although American by birth and 100% Irish by descent, I feel a great love and affection for Spain, probably because at one point our family lived there. In fact, I had both my children in Madrid. Anyway, this year I returned for spring break with my 17-year-old, in whom the maternal history freak gene has, for good or ill, shown up in spades. We went first to Granada, where we learned about the 800-year Muslim domination of the Iberian Peninsula, which found its ultimate expression in the Alhambra Palace, as well as about the so-called reconquest of the peninsula by the so-called Catholic kings, which found its ultimate expression in the Spanish Inquisition. Then we shot back up to Madrid so I could torture my no longer little cielo with rhapsodies about pushing a pram here or having our very first taste of ice cream there, and also focus on the Spanish Civil War. In short, I was going to immerse myself in the history of Spain by way of taking a much-needed mental health break from the political madness in the U.S., Alas, it turned out that for an even semi-conscious present-day American to plunge into the history of Spain is to come up dripping wet with parallels to the political madness in the U.S. Not, I hasten to add, perfect parallels. I know it may seem like nothing more than a sad reflection of my own obsessions that I would look at the Spain of Francisco Franco, let alone the Spain of Ferdinand and Isabella, and see markings of MAGA everywhere in both. Then again, sometimes it is in looking at the cruelties and follies of very distant times, places, and circumstances that we can most clearly see the cruelties and follies of our own. Actually, for purposes of this podcast, I'm going to skip over the cruelties. You don't have to be a historian to consider the term Spanish Inquisition a shorthand for a very long-running reign of religious terror, nor to recognize Francisco Franco as a dictator covered in the blood of his own people. So I'll go right to the follies, not the gruesomeness of these respective periods of repression, but the stupidity, the absurdity, the waste, the cutting off of the national nose despite the national face. As these moments in the history of Spain, as in so many other countries, go to show, that emphasis on ethnic and nationalistic purity invariably ends up as the ultimate own goal for any country. And yet, in America today, A very big, very strong political team is setting us up to score it. First to 1492, a banner year for Ferdinand and Isabella. This was not only the year that their guy, Christopher Columbus, arrived in the New World, but the year that the dynastic duo reclaimed the whole of old Iberia by taking over Granada, the last of the provinces held by the Muslims who had dominated since the Visigoths went bust in the 700s. Sometimes excessively gushed over as a sort of interfaith paradise, this period certainly was a damn sight better, religious freedom-wise, than what came later. For many years, Muslims, Christians, and Jews did coexist relatively functionally and peaceably, with Muslims and Jews contributing hugely to the military, intellectual, architectural, administrative, and cultural life of the area. Then along came my people, the Catholics, who said, no mas, Christian input only, Within a few years of promising to leave other faiths alone, they expelled the Muslims and the Jews who would not convert and then proceeded to persecute and torture many who did convert, as well as the Christians who were deemed insufficiently hostile to those Muslims and Jews. But for purposes of current U.S. politics, no matter how ethno-fascist they may seem to have become, none of that is what really got me. For purposes of current U.S. politics, the thing that got me was the mighty, newly unified, global-reaching Spain's refutation of irrigation. Building upon the technology of the Romans who preceded them, the Muslims had, by 1492, long since established a very sophisticated system of aqueducts that brought water from the snow-covered tops of the Sierra Nevada mountains down to the perpetually dry foothills. For years, people had water for washing and cleaning and drinking and even contemplating. As you can see from what remains of the 3,000-person town that was the Alhambra Fortress, there was hardly a home without a courtyard, and hardly a courtyard without a reflecting pool or a fountain. Then came the Catholics. Faced with the aqueducts, they were amazed by this conduit for supplying an essential resource with little effort. A little too amazed, in fact. They hadn't built them. They didn't understand them. So they destroyed them or let them fall to waste. That's right. Faced with a choice between A, acknowledging, learning the how-tos of, and using an achievement made by a group it was in their interest to brand as inferior, or B, placing themselves at constant risk of dying of thirst, they went with plan B. Now, is there anyone alive in 2023 who could look back on that decision and think that it enhanced the power of those who made it? Anyone who would think, hey, smart one, I'd plug up those pipes myself. Well, yes, anyone in the MAGA movement, because they are busily doing the exact same thing, exhibiting a reflexive hostility toward knowledge on almost any subject if that knowledge doesn't come from one of their own. They see piles of data, see and hear year upon year of clear, real-life examples on gun violence and COVID rates and climate change and God knows what else, and say, nope, not for us. Keep your vaccines and your statistics and your elitist expertise we don't like the folks who tend to come up with the fact-based solutions, so we'll double down on ivermectin and kitty assault weapons and fossil fuels and basically go with the present-day equivalent of paying peasants to drag the water down the mountain on mules. Thank God it was a Republican, Eisenhower, who initiated the national highway system, or they'd have us back on dirt roads in no time. Fast forward to Franco. As you might remember, after a coup that toppled a democratically elected but admittedly very far-left government in 1936, Generalissimo Francisco Franco rose to lead the right-wing forces that won the subsequent and savage Civil War in 1939. This having happened with some help from his kind-of-sort-of-friends, Hitler and Mussolini, Franco found himself on the outs with the victors of World War II, who excluded Spain from their plans to revitalize and rebuild Europe partly for this reason, but also because he was a big fan of repressing Jews, Basques, Catalans, communists, socialists, liberals, trade unionists, and women who didn't want to stay home wearing black dresses like his mom did after his dad left, Franco turned Spain inward and backward. Both using and enthusiastically allowing himself to be used by the Catholic Church, he enforced what he saw as old-fashioned Spanish family and patriotic values and rejected the whole mess of modernism. In other words, he would have been a welcome, regular guest on Tucker Carlson. Clearly, the worst thing about the Franco regime was its ruthless, relentless campaign against opposition of any kind, resulting in tens of thousands of Spaniards killed, on top of the hundreds of thousands sacrificed to the Civil War. But my point is, it was also dumb. Franco fought against the teaching of languages other than Castilian and silenced the intellectuals and kneecapped the universities and dedicated the economy to supposed self-sufficiency. And what was the result? For the first decade plus of his era, Spain's GDP was far less than half the European average. Inflation soared. The black market thrived. The Spanish people suffered economically as well as politically and morally. Then again, it was under Franco that the Spanish economy started to improve. But how did it start to improve? Well, the generalissimo uh, reconsidered. In the 1950s, he cozied up to the U.S. and the U.N. and the International Monetary Fund he somewhat lightened up on some of the most brutal routines in his brutal dictator repertoire. Turned out that a policy of enforcing ethnic, religious, and nationalist chauvinism while eschewing education and outside influence was not too smart. Yet, in America today, MAGA treats that very approach as a genius move. Again, I realize the limits of drawing these lines from Spain of yesteryear to the U.S. of today. I know that here in the U.S., we don't have the same forces at play. No matter how terrifying the reemergence of white American Christian nationalism may be, not even its most disturbing advocates are suggesting that non Christians spend the weekend being tortured in the public square before everybody watches their execution after church on Sunday, as was de rigueur in the heyday of the Inquisition however outrageously elevated the risks routinely faced by Americans of color, our black, brown, and Asian citizens are not being systematically disappeared, as were the enemies, real and perceived, of Franco. Of course not. And yet, Americans would do well to contemplate a comparison that is less comforting, but in my opinion, more relevant. Certainly as of the 15th century, and even as of the early 20th century, Spain had no idea of itself as the beacon of liberty before all the world. It did not have a 200 plus year old constitution enshrining the rights of individuals, individuals originally imagined as white male property owners, but defined more broadly with every amendment. Spain had never prided itself as a nation of immigrants, nor touted its pluralism, built on its revolutionary founders' firm and emphatically expressed belief in the separation of religion and state. The United States did all that, has all that, is all that. And yet, millions of Americans are hell-bent on throwing all that away. Don't get me wrong. In the long sweep of history, ultra-conservatives have hardly cornered the market on ultra-craziness. I could spend a week just listing the economic and practical catastrophes that resulted from the physical and moral barbarities committed around the world in the name of left-wing lunacy from Mao and Stalin on down. Insanity can and has come from all over the political spectrum. But at this moment in the United States, it is coming from the right. And so it is right wing extremism that must be fought from the left, from the center, indeed from the non extremist right, or whatever remains of it. Today, for all its undoubted flaws, difficulties, and conflicts, Spain is a modern, Western, pluralistic democracy. The U.S. should have no question about its commitment to be the same. Thanks for listening. Please check out more of Jiu-Jitsu Red to Blue. New episodes drop every Thursday morning.